0: Welcome to Girl, Water Your Grass. And your dreams over
1: me are bigger than my own. Where we talk about all the things to better yourself, your family, your career, your dreams, your goals, and your life, and how God's dreams over us are so much bigger than our own. We are
0: just two girlfriends who grew up in the bluegrass state of Kentucky with five brothers each and have reunited to take our dreams to the next level. Now we're inviting you to get out of your own way, girlfriend, and come on this ride. Because on this journey of a lifetime, we never arrive. Welcome back to Girl, Water, Your Grass. We are so excited to have a very special guest here with us today, Miss Mora Presler. So welcome to the podcast, Maura. Welcome, Maura. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's a great joy to be here.
0: Well, we to, we're just honored to have you here and are so excited for your book launch and all the things that you're doing. But tell our listeners just a little bit about you and your story and how you got to where you are now and what you're doing.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, just a little bit about my state of life right currently. I'm 35. I'm living in Denver, Colorado, with my husband, Michael, and our three little boys, five and under. Mm -hmm. I grew up in northern New Jersey. I am the fourth of seven children. We grew up in what was considered a very traditional Catholic home. You know, we'd go to Mass, we'd celebrate the Saints' Feast days, pray the rosary, and Behind closed doors there was a tremendous amount of domestic violence and dysfunction in our family. And this led to a lot of confusion in my own, you know, life. I was just a little girl and I was being told one thing and, you know, so much evil was happening behind closed doors. And this also led to a very low self-esteem of mine and in 8th grade I remember it was the first time that I started associating beauty with weight
1: mm-hmm. and
2: my weight was never something that I had to worry about you know I've very athletic person I started running when I was five years old so um, but I just remember that day coming home from school and telling my mom that I wanted to lose weight mm. and I started running more and I stopped eating desserts and eating in between meals and I started to lose weight and people started to notice and there, comments to me and to my mom just were kind of like the negative attention that I was looking for because I wasn't really getting attention in a positive way so this yeah. was a negative way that I was getting attention and I wasn't in touch with you know my emotions and my feelings mm. so yeah so it got to a point where it was really bad and in medical intervention you know I had medical intervention and my pulse was in the low twenties and your pulse is supposed to be between 60 and hundred. Mm. And it's a miracle that, you know, I'm just so thankful that I'm, I'm alive, you know, because it was really, really serious. And I did put the weight back on that the doctors, you know, wanted me to put back on and I returned to the weight that I was, but I still had these burning questions in my mind. Like, who am I? What is my purpose in life? What is beauty? And what does God want for me? And is God, like there was so much suffering and pain in my life. And I was wondering where God was amidst mm-hmm. all this chaos. Yeah. And um, so I finished high school. I still had these questions in my mind. I went to Seton Hall University. I ran Division I cross country for them. I, it was during this time, my junior year of college, that the guy that I was dating just close to me a sexual addiction that he was struggling with and this kind of sent me into like a spiral mode and it was I'm looking back I'm I'm really thankful for my interactions with him because when he told me you know what he was struggling with it cracked my heart open to feel the pain of you know from my childhood and I but I did start spiraling and I was really struggling with binge eating in college. And that was really, you know, just, I would tell myself, okay, today's the last day. Like I'm not going to do this anymore. And anyone who's struggled with an addiction just knows that it's just like a vicious cycle. And I just wanted out. Yes. Um, so then my senior year of college, I went to Calcutta, India mm. and I served with Mother Teresa's sisters. I went on a focus mission trip, um, and it was just the most, it sounds so cliche, but it was just the most powerful experience. It was just incredible and so life-changing. Every day, I worked at Kali Dot, which is Mother Teresa's home for the dying, and mm-hmm. it was our mission to bring, um, to bring these dying patients in off the streets and to love them, to show them love and care. Mother Teresa didn't want anyone to die without knowing God's love for them. And we prayed a holy hour every evening in front of the blessed sacrament. And I had never sat still, like, you know, praying for probably more than five minutes, like in silence, like it was just complete silence, Mm. silence. And, you know, I just remember kept like, you know, looking at my watch being like, you know, when, when is this going to be over? But it was my time in India that I started learning about God, the father's love Which led me to. I came home from India. I kept praying holy hours because I just kept finding myself in front of the Blessed Sacrament. And I knew that the Lord was what I was searching for. I also knew that I had a tremendous amount of pain and suffering and a lot of trauma that I had experienced from the home that I grew up in. And I went to P.S., the Institute of the Psychological Sciences in Arlington, Virginia. Mm -hmm. after college, and I got like a full psychological evaluation. And there I was diagnosed with chronic post-traumatic stress disorder, depression, and a borderline personality disorder, which is like a come here, I'm going to push you away type mechanism that a lot of abuse um, victims struggle with. And they were the ones that really encouraged me to take some time and You know to really evaluate what i wanted in life and how i was going to get there and they wanted me they thought it would be best for my mental health to separate myself from my family and move away and start a new life and they helped me find a catholic psychologist in nashville tennessee and i called him he looked at my evaluation and he said i think i can help you (laughs) so i packed up everything i owned into my little honda and i moved to nashville And started therapy and worked up to three jobs to pay for the care that I needed. And when I was nearing the end of therapy, I launched my nonprofit, which helps women recovering from eating disorders and abuse made in his image. And yeah, that's kind of like the. Yeah, like the, I, I, I mean, wow, you've there. done <laughs> so much already. I'm like, what? There's so yeah. much packed in here. This
1: so so yeah. much in there. So, so Mora, that took you know a, a lot of bravery to step into that healing space. What was the catalyst do you feel like for you that actually gave you the strength to step into deeper healing? Because for some people, you know, the pain's just too much. We've, we've talked with a lot of women. Yeah. And that takes a lot of courage. What do you think was a catalyst for you?
2: The doctor that I saw at IPS, Dr. Katrin Banish, she was the lead psychologist um, at IPS and on my case. And she showed me so much compassion and so much love. And I thought, you know, when she told me what I had, you know, the the diagnosis of, you know, what, what I was struggling with, I thought I would experience like so much shame from them, but she instead showed me like so much compassion and love. And she, her words of wisdom just to, you know, go out there and get the life that like, you want and find that healing. And she was the one that really helped me, you know, take that step to step towards the pain. And then the doctor that I saw in Nashville, Dr. William Bullett, he told me during one of my therapy sessions, he said, everyone suffers more, but it's what we do with our suffering, you know, that matters. And it's so true. Like everyone is going through something. And I remember the first, my first therapy session with him, you know, I walk in and I just moved you know halfway across the country by myself, didn't really know anyone. and he's like, "What what do you want me to do for you? And I remember like I just started crying and I said, like I don't want to be my parents. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. that's really important because abuse is generational, and I learned some very unhealthy coping mechanisms and wasn't in touch with my emotions. And that's why history repeats itself because we do what we've learned. So that was a huge catalyst for my healing just to step towards that pain, to face it. And I'm just such a firm believer. Like the only way, you know, the only way is through, like, if we look at the cross, if we look at, you know, Jesus and Mm. the only way to the resurrection is good Friday. And we need to all find that like, you know, in our own lives.
1: You know I, I learned this and I actually shared this one of our other recent podcasts. But I, I I just want to share it again because I think what you said was so powerful about the only way is through. And in Colorado, you and you probably know this living there, but it's one of the only places where both um, both cows and buffalo graze. And oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, apparently it has to do something with the way the plane is, and anyways. But okay. what's really interesting with them is that. When a storm is coming, typically it rises from the west there and flows east. And the cows response to that, as soon as they get a hint that that's coming, they actually run east. So th- so they stay in the storm like the entire time, basically. <laughs> but what's yeah. interesting with the buffalo is they actually, once they feel that storm coming, they run to the West. So they run to, through the storm. So it pounds for a minute, but it actually, you know, they get freedom quicker. And so mm-hmm. it just reminds me of that. So much we are saying, what you're saying is just that the only way is through that's so powerful. Go through, And, you know, we've talked a lot about
0: two more of it. If there will, your emotions will come back up if you don't walk through them, Oh,
2: yeah. process mm-hmm.
0: them and, and, your example here is just so it's just resonating so much with me because most of us have things that we don't process for years and years and years. And we just want to encourage our listeners that whatever you're going through in your life, you can keep running from it, but it will not go away. And so until it you will
2: catch up with you, yeah, it will
0: catch up with you. Right. And it's mm-hmm. always uh, like to say, if you don't heal the wounds of your past, you'll continue to hurt those that you love. And it's, um, mm-hmm just so important for us to dive into that. I'm just blown away because so much of what we deal with in life we know is wired in from childhood. And I'm so, I guess I would say, impressed that you were able to, or have been able to really recognize that and become aware and to say, I'm going to do something about this so that I don't continue, continue the process. You know, like you said, it's generational so that I can break the cycle. Right. Mm -hmm. What do you think it was that yeah. really, do you think it was that time in India that really, I guess everything is grace, right? God's grace and the gifts that mm-hmm. gave you the courage and the, um, I don't know, the motivation to really dive into this and be able to move past what what you had come from.
2: Yeah. I mean, daily holy hours in front of the blessed sacrament. I'm telling you, like that grace is, is fire. Like it's just. Yeah, I mean, I just, I look at, you know, even other members in my family and I'm just like, it really is a grace. And I think when we take a little step, God's like, okay, like, you know, it's like a baby, like learning to walk, like our, our little baby, our little one-year-old is learning to walk now. I'm like, you know, when he takes a little step, everyone's like cheering him on, like his older brothers and, you know, my husband and I, and it's like, I look at, I learned so much about God the Mm. father's love through my children and I think that's that that must be like how God responds to us like when we do something and he's like yes like that's the right direction keep going and then you know we do another thing and he gives us more grace and Mm. and I just think it's we just have to respond with a little yes like even if we're scared and Mm. I was so scared you know like I was terrified and There was so much, you know, shame and guilt in, like, sharing my story, especially, like, you know, because I was the first one to come out and speak about it. And I was afraid how other people would see me. And I just think when we take that little step, God's going to give us so much grace and fill in the gaps because we can't do it on our own. You know, like, everything is a gift from God. And when we recognize that, he's just going to continue, I believe, to bless us.
1: One of the things that I I think would be really helpful for our listeners to hear is um, because you recognized how patterns repeat themselves and you knew that you did not want to repeat what you saw. So you were very intentional in your healing process so that you could start a new legacy. You could start something new. Would you share with our listeners about meeting your husband and then the process of you guys dating and even now your marriage, the way that you're a mom, the, what you have learned so that you can um, do something new. And that, because I think so many people, I've, I've heard a lot of people, both men and women where they're so afraid to repeat what they experienced and what they saw, even though they're diving into healing. But I think that fear is very real and it's real because it's happened for a lot of people where they find themselves. Mm-hmm. What kind of encouragement can you give them in that space that you can, Create a different life? And would you share with them yeah. just your, your journey of that?
2: Yeah, I think one of the most important things is asking for what you need. I think that's so cru- crucial. And I'll just share like a little personal story. Um, my husband and I, well, we dated for a little bit, we, we, we had originally met in. New York City and then we met again. We met two years later in San Diego and we started dating and we broke up and my husband needed to discern like his vocation and I wanted him to be like super super certain like he wanted, you know, marriage, even if it wasn't with me, I don't because he was like toying with like being coming to CFR and I was like, you know, you need a you need to figure that out. <laughs> um so <laughs> we did break up and we did get back together um but when we got and i look back and the breakup was so incredibly hard for me and i definitely was like you know grasping for things like during the great the the breakup and i look back and i see that when i actually let michael go and like surrendered him to god you know it took several months but he did come back i'm not saying like everyone's going to come back but i'm just saying when we let go and stop grasping for things, I do believe God's able, you know to be God and fulfill, you know He wants to grant the desires of our heart. And I look at my life and how I've just always grasped grasp for things, like thinking I could do it on my own. And I think surrender is super key. And even though you're terrified, even though you're afraid, just just surrender that to the Lord. And another thing, like if you're in a relationship, or even, you know, whether it be like just dating or married or engaged to really ask for what you need. And like, I took a serious inventory of my life and to see, like, I really need to be reassured because if I'm not, I think a lot of like, just from growing up and I just have this like fear that people are going to leave me. And I remember when my husband and I were engaged and we got into like, I don't know, it was the first fight, like an engagement. I don't even remember what it was about. It was like so silly. But I just remember like turning off my phone and being so afraid that like Michael was gonna leave. but I didn't want to like grasp the things. I didn't want to like you know keep calling him so I just was like, I'm gonna turn my phone off and just like let it go for the night. And he showed up on my doorstep like 20 minutes later
1: with wow. the coffee
2: and flowers. And he was like, Mora, I just want you to know that, yeah, we disagree about whatever it was. Like I said, I don't even remember, but I'm not going anywhere. Like I'm not leaving you. And like, I am committed. We are going to get married. Like, I mean, Greg and I totally had freedom, like in the relationship. And he's like, I'm not going anywhere. And I think that was so crucial and so pivotal, like in my healing process. And over time, I've seen, like, you know, we've only been married for six years, but he needs to reassure me so much less now, because he's done a really good job of that. But men aren't mind readers, you know, like, we need to ask for what we, what we need and what we, you know, desire. And I think more often than not, they want to give us that, you know, like, they want to they want to reassure their fiance or their, their wife or their girlfriend. And so just, just ask, just ask for what you need. And a lot of, you know, I think quick apologies are really good. Um, not to let things like fester because that just leads to more, you know, more problems.
0: So good more, Ma- and Ma- Ma- I couldn't agree more. You know, I think men are wired to want to protect us and we, mm-hmm. as we-
2: they are, yeah, we,
0: that security and it's typically mm-hmm. just miscommunication right of like why didn't they yeah, do this yeah. like you said men are not mind readers and they are very uh yeah. they put us on one task at a time where we are doing mm-hmm. all the things and so yeah <laughs> yes. actually, actually this just, morning just was... the other day no go ahead go oh, ahead God.
2: well just just the it was maybe like two or three weeks ago and you know it was like I said we have a five of four and a one-year-old and you know, I'm like doing laundry, I'm making dinner, I'm packing lunches, like all at one time, trying to keep the one-year-old like contained in his little space, like he's like a little play area. And the five and four-year-old are just like flying off the handle. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, like Michael's going to come in any second and he's going to like see this and he's going to take the two older boys out. Like, so, you know, the baby can play and I can finish this stuff. But what I should, and you know, he came in and sure he just like walks into the chaos and you know he's super helpful and he just needed a minute to like decompress from work and it just it didn't go as planned like what was in my head and what I should have done was text him or call him and be like hey it's total chaos Could you, when you come in can you please take the two older boys out and he totally would have done that but instead I got really you know upset and resentful because he just walked in and didn't you know didn't take them out so again just asking for what that's we right. need asking for what they need, we need yeah. and that yeah. men are not mm-hmm. mind readers right or no yeah. really. we just have
0: these expectations yeah no i'm realistic mm-hmm. you know? and i love yeah. what talk you talk about said. the
2: expectations.
0: it is it's just expectations and that's really just a communication mm-hmm. issue and i love what where you were talking about just surrendering and how we grasp. And I think we do that all day long Mm -hmm. with things. We grasp for things. And that really does speak to the fact that we don't really believe that God's dreams over us are Mm. so much bigger than our own. I would love for you to tell our listeners about stepping into a place of surrender and surrendering your plan and what you thought and how it really has, you're, you're seeing the fruit now of God's dreams being bigger than your own with your nonprofit, with your book launch, And just tell us a little bit about how the fruit of your surrender.
2: Yeah, I think it was, you know, just when I was in, when I was in therapy first, before like surrendering, I had to really accept that this is my life. This is my family and this is my past. And I wanted like this picture perfect family that let's be honest, doesn't exist, like everyone has something that they struggle with you know every family has something that they struggle with and I'm in no way shape or form saying like domestic violence is okay it's not it's evil it's simple. um and at the same time it was like it is like my past it is my history and it wasn't until like I really embraced that I uh, that I was able to like own my story and surrender that to the Lord and I've seen so much fruit, you know, like I, I just wouldn't, I know that I wouldn't be in a healthy marriage and be a mom. Um, you know, I wouldn't have written this book if I didn't do that because I was just holding on to so much resentment and so much fear. And until we really come to that place where, you know, we're able to like face our story, we can't, we just, we just can't get there.
1: That is just so powerful. So powerful. What would you say to someone who is in the midst of um, coming out of, you know, maybe abuse or maybe out of uh, eating disorder, maybe they're in the midst of it. What would you say to that person? Even, you know, maybe even what would you say to your younger self? You know, if, if you were kind of that mentor, what would you have said to your younger self?
2: yeah I thought about this the other day, and I like I like teared up, and I would say to her that I am so sorry, like I was so hard on myself, mm. and I had so much you know like in therapy, I learned about forgiveness, and we we talked about forgiveness a lot, and you know there's so many layers of forgiveness, like forgiving my dad, forgiving my mom, and like yeah. forgiving myself was like the hardest, yes. And I would just have so much more empathy and grace, like for myself. And I, mm-hmm. I, I have this like image of of you know which this really happened of like this little girl. And I remember one time like hiding behind the couch where like there was so much violence going on, and like the police was in our home. And I was just like, mm-hmm. you know, I had my like legs like curled up like against my chest, and I was just like hiding there crying and. I wish I had like so much more empathy and compassion for her. And yeah, I just, it's, it's so good to do that, to like, go back and like almost like talk to yourself and like apologize for being so, you know, we're so hard on ourselves and yet we show others like so much empathy. And I just, I wish I had done that like with myself.
0: That's such great advice, Maura, because we you're right. We do. We, we are really have high expectations for ourselves and, are not really so compassionate and empathetic with, with ourselves, but and we really encourage our listeners as well that, you know, we, we do have tough times. We do have suffering, but that God doesn't waste any of it. And it's just so beautiful to mm. see how you have turned so much of your suffering and your hardships into uh, such a fruitful nonprofit. And now you're telling your story, um, And tell our listeners about your book that you've just written and how they can get a copy of that. And then also how, how you're watering your grass right now. We always like to ask our our guests, how
2: you're watering your grass. (laughs) Um, so my book is my story of recovery from an eating disorder, domestic violence, depression, um, and my therapy journey and, just, I hope it helps break the stigma and shame regarding mental health and medication and I met my husband and we have like a crazy lab story and just journey of motherhood and all the ups and downs that comes with that. And in the back, I have like resources or and just advice for people who are going through, you know, um, eating disorders or abuse and body image struggles. And my book is available on Amazon. If you just type in my name, Maura Presler or Choosing to See Beauty, it ships. I believe it's Saturday or Sunday. Amazon keeps changing the shipping date. But it ships to you this week. Um, And what I'm doing right now, just to take care of myself, I always call it like the big three, body, mind, and soul. And I have to like make sure that I'm praying every day. That I'm exercising you know I'm still on medication for PTSD That I'm taking my medication and I'm eating nutritious food um, I try to spend like five to ten minutes I know it doesn't sound like a lot but like uninterrupted time like with my children where I'm like just really looking into their eyes and being intentional and affirming them and loving them um, I mean I'm playing with them all day but this is like very like intentional time um, you know spending time with my husband and we're always reading something together um, just to make sure that, you know, I stay healthy because it is, it definitely is like, you know, a process. I even got my books the other day and I, there's so much joy, like so much joy in the moment, but it's also like really, it's also really hard because, you know, I know so many people are going to read the, you know, people that have ordered the book and it's just hard to, you know, being vulnerable and sharing that, like Mm. part of yourself with others.
1: Maura, you're so brave. You have so much courage. I love that. That's, um, you've just done so much. Yeah, I, mean, I know. I'm just sitting here just blown away. I, I remember some of our conversations because I knew you in Nashville and just remembering some of our conversations. And every time we just walk away, it, it really just in awe at the way that you have always just stepped into courage. And so I um, just, I'm, I'm really excited about your book out there. I'm excited for people to get to hear you and your just everything that you've walked through and the journey of that. I just think it's going to be such a gift to our
0: listeners. So and I you. love how you've, you've named your book choosing to see beauty. Yeah. Mean, you, that's just so in line with, with what we're talking about here is that, you know, you could be a victim, but you're choosing to see beauty.
1: Beautiful.
2: Yeah. I just think that, you know, everyone is suffering and we have to make that choice, you know, cause we can either, Turn outward or turn inward, and you know our life. You know we we choose our attitude, so yes. we got to we got to make the best of it.
1: Mm, amazing. Well, we will be putting in the show notes how they can reach you. You are on social media, correct? You're I think on Instagram mm-hmm. and Facebook, yeah, and your mm-hmm. website. Can you just give the handles for those and website, and we'll also include those in the show notes as well.
2: Awesome. So my website is madeinhisimage.org. in um, If you search on Facebook, it's made in his image. I have a, a big um, group on there and then I'm starting another um, online support group because I have support groups all over the country. But there's also a support group that I'm starting on there. Um, amazing. And then my book is on Amazon.
0: We are so (laughs) thankful for you being here today and just, I'm just blown away by your story and your courage and your bravery. So we wish you all the best and we'll continue to um, just spread the truth, goodness, and beauty that you're doing. And we're just honored to have you here. So thanks so much for being here and we'll see you next week on Girl, Water Your Grass.
1: Get out there and go buy her book. (laughs) Right.